You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome into the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, November 4th, 2020. I am Dave Biddle. I am joined by the People's Champ, Matt Baxendale. Bax, first thing, just your overall thoughts on the Buckeyes. We're now one-fourth of the way through the regular season already, if you can believe that. One-fourth of the way through the regular season. What are your thoughts on the Buckeyes? Uh, I think overall the offense is shaping up to be the incredibly dangerous unit we thought it was going to be. I think Justin Fields is quickly playing himself to the top of the Heisman contention list. I think the win at Penn State, like I said in the bucket on Sunday, was a very good win, and the final score really wasn't reflective of how much better they were than Penn State. Uh, But I still have a few hesitation concerns. Uh, Like I said, the secondary has been a bit of a cause for concern, especially with the way Jahan Dotson ran wild, and a guy like uh, Sean Clifford throwing the ball for 250 yards and a half against you isn't a good sign. Uh, and then there's also the whole background fear of you hope your team doesn't pull a Wisconsin, have a bunch of people catch COVID. So, you know, it's a good start. I'm really happy to be where we're at. No question. They look like the best team in the big 10 by a pretty wide margin, but um, there's still room to improve and there's a long way to go where you keep everybody on the field. Rutgers come into town on Saturday, seven 30 kick. I personally wish it was a noon game, but that's just me. It'd be different if we could have fans in the stands, but Ohio State is a ratings juggernaut, so I get it. But Rutgers is better than what people thought. You know, Even in a loss to Indiana last week, they hung in there. They had that great <laughs> that great uh, play that didn't count but was absolutely fantastic at the end of the game there. But um, anyway, just your thoughts on Rutgers coming to town. What do you expect this Saturday from the Scarlet Knights and our old friend Greg Schiano? Well, first of all, it's ridiculous that 85 lateral play didn't count. It didn't affect the outcome of the game one way or another. Just let them have it. Come on. Like, that was the most grinchy review ever. Uh, Jeez. Anyways, Rutgers so far has been a really interesting test case because they went to Michigan State and they actually blew them out. But Sparty turned the ball over seven times. So, Shiano's strategy appears to have been that uh, he wants to bring in a bunch of transfers. He wants to make Rutgers at least respectable early on and then build recruiting based off that, which really is a good plan. I mean, former Ohio State Rose Bowl MVP, Brendan White is on that team right now. He's going to start in this game. Um, that's sort of the, what you've had Shiano doing is trying to prop up the talent at, at, at Rutgers right now. Yeah, Dwumfor. Yeah, the, the Michigan transfer, Michael Dwumfor, is looking good at D-tackle. I've seen him. I mean, he, he Michigan should – he's better than Carlo Kemp. I'm not, I don't know why Michigan didn't try and prioritize him. Not that he's great, but he's another guy. Just to add your point, they have Brendan White, like you said, from Ohio State. They got Dwumfor, who transferred from Michigan. And, yeah, um, sorry to cut you off there, but I just want to throw that in there. No, that's another really good point. And it also just is another opportunity for me to uh, – laugh at how Michigan can't develop any of its recruits. And whenever they transfer places, they end up succeeding better. Uh, Just another example of how failed the Harbaugh regime is, but that's a different topic. Uh, So Rutgers. Yeah. So they're in a shortened season like this, like, you know, you know, normally we talk about how like over a 12 game schedule, 
you know, your depth is something that gets tested. And some of these teams that don't recruit as, as well beyond the, the, the top 22, uh, they end up getting exposed as the year goes on. Well, in a shorter season, you're less likely to get exposed by injury. And so that means Rutgers has had two downright respectable games. I mean, Shiano won their first conference game since, I think, 2017, two weeks ago. So they don't suck anymore. But the flip side is they're still nowhere near the ballpark of Ohio State. I would think that Nebraska would beat them, and Ohio State beat Nebraska big. So I don't know how much I I really see Rutgers threatening Ohio State, but I don't think they're the complete utter horror show that they have been for the last couple years. And I think they're going to continue getting at least somewhat respectable with Shiano in charge there. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I do think Ohio State's going to take it to them, but it's not going to be like – Maybe as much as they were able to take it to Rutgers, you know, a few years ago or last year, just name it anytime they've played Rutgers. I do think it's going to be a little bit more competitive, but the Buckeyes will still win by four or five touchdowns, which for Rutgers might be a moral victory. All right, let's move on to some Ohio State specific topics here. Cam Brown out for the season with the Achilles. Our Patrick Murphy was the first to report that. Kind of sucks when you have to break bad news, but um, good job by Patrick getting that out there first. And we had a chance, you know, Ryan Day yesterday, I was wondering if he was going to say anything about it because his policy is not to talk about injuries, but he's loosened that up a little bit. And usually when a guy's out for the year, the coach will talk about it. And he did. And Ryan Day said, yeah, that's a, that's a big loss for us. That's a big loss. He didn't mince words. He said they already, you know, had a lack of depth at corner. So many people, myself included, have been guilty of talking about lack of depth at D tackle. And we will get into the D tackles next. But really, um, even with Cam Brown, you know, talking to Ryan Day yesterday, they were concerned with the corner depth. Now it's a huge concern. You're going to have to throw out some true freshmen like Ryan Watts is going to have to step up. Obviously, the first guy that has to step up backs is Tyreek Johnson. He's a third-year sophomore. It's now now is his time. He was a five-star recruit, third year in the program. It's time for him to step up. Kerry Combs talked about that a little bit yesterday. We had a chance to talk with Coach Combs as well. So get into that, man. How concerned are you about Cam Brown being out for the season and you know, in addition to Tyreek Johnson and Ryan Watts, who do you think maybe Legend Cavazos? Who do you is going to step up there? Yeah, the Cam Brown injury is really unfortunate because just the way he went down, no contact, kind of just trying to cut to the sideline to cover a guy. That's never a good thing when a guy goes down with no contact and immediately can't put any weight on something. It's just you feel really bad for the kid. Uh, he was a guy that a lot of people thought was going to be maybe not seven banks this year in terms of. Uh, like importance to the defense, but it was a guy who had certainly gotten on the field last year and was a guy you were expecting to sort of be a pretty solid number three. So this is a, this is a blow to an Ohio state secondary that candidly is a little bit reeling right now after the way that that second half went at Penn state. And so now you got to start talking about some of these depth guys to see really what they can do. And look, Tyreek Johnson was a top 50 kid nationally when Ohio state pulled him out of Florida. He was a five-star kid. He was a guy who was supposed to come to Ohio State and be an impact player. So now's the time to see it. You know what I mean? Like, he's been here for – this is his third year in the program. So let's see it, man. This is your chance to get on the field and do it. And he's the guy that we're going to have to look to first. And if that doesn't pan out, then you're going to start looking at some of these younger guys like Cavazos and Watts. I think you may see Marcus Williamson get some looks in some of the roles that may have gone to Cam Brown. Uh, But at the end of the day, this is going to be a group effort to fill this role. And the depth of the position is less than I would feel comfortable with. The, the secondary right now is something that we're going to have to see some significant improvement over the course of the season before you can really feel 
like you're in great shape against the other two big dogs in the country right now. So this is a blow for Ohio State. There's no question about it. And uh, we're going to be watching the pass defense the next couple of weeks with great interest. Yeah, and, you know, Sean Wade has not played well, but I'm still bullish on him. I think he'll be fine, uh, more than fine. And I still – and Seven Banks has been a disappointment to me, but I – Still believe in him because I've had a lot of people I trust say this kid's going to be a star. So, and really, Seven Banks just has had one shaky game. I don't, I don't think he looked shaky at all against Nebraska, but uh, definitely looks shaky again. Both starting corners I thought looked shaky against Penn State at times. Although you got to give Dotson credit for Penn State, he made a couple of unbelievable catches. But take even take those away, I think Sean Wade can play a lot better, and he will. So, starting corners need to play better. As you said, Tyreek Johnson has to be the next guy to step up. Marcus Williamson's going to move around a little bit, and then you know. Those true freshmen, we'll see what happens. Legend Cavazos has been out with a knee injury. They're hoping to get him back soon. Ryan Watts is a guy they talked about a lot yesterday, as I said, as a true freshman kid from Texas. Tall corner at six foot three. He's going to be out there more. So we'll see what happens. And maybe Cam Martinez will get out there. Uh, guy's still learning. He's never played, really never played defense before. Um, certainly he's never played corner. And now he's might be used as a corner here and there, man, uh, lack of depth at corner. So like I said, throughout the offseason, and especially during camp, which was in September this year, we were talking about the lack of depth at defensive tackle and really concerned about that. Well, now you never know. One game can change anything. But right now, defensive tackle is an absolute strength for this team. When you look at Tommy Togiai and Haskell Garrett, what they're doing together as the starters is they're fantastic. And Haskell Garrett, to me, you know, could be the story of college football with everything he's gone through. And then even the backups, I thought, you know, Antoine Jackson is now in his role. He should be like a top backup. You know, he should not be a starter, but I think and now in that role, he's, a, he's about 20 snaps a game. I like that. And Jerron Cage is stepping up a little bit. seems like he wears a new number every series. I don't even think it's game to game now. I think he changes his number backs every series Jerron Cage does, but in all seriousness, the fourth year junior, Big boy in there. He, he looks good as that backup to Tommy Togi. I get about 15 snaps a game. But Togi and Haskell Garrett, man, are they're crushing it in there. I, I just love that tandem. And, all, you know, all the hand-wringing we did throughout the offseason about lack of depth at D-tackle, well, D-tackle looks like a strength right now, Bax. Yeah, through two weeks, it's been the best part of the defense. And I don't think that's really even been close as to what part of the defense has been the best. The D-tackles have been – this is the best D-tackle play at OSU that I can remember since when Michael Bennett and Adolphus Washington were the two D-tackles in 2014. Uh, through two games, it's a small window. I know that's really high praise on comparing those two tandems like that, but this has been really good play by the defensive tackle. And I think a lot of our fear with that depth came from the fact that we didn't expect Garrett to play at all with a gunshot wound to the face. I mean, like I feel like I every opportunity I had to point this out, that he's playing less than two months after being shot in the face is something that just needs to be repeatedly said. It's insane. And the other reason we had that fear was because we didn't know much about Tron Vincent's injury. There wasn't much precedent for Cage really even being on the field. Antoine Jackson's a fifth-year senior, so you just you wondered and worried. But I think you hit the nail on the head, Dave. I think guys like Jackson, guys like Cage, guys like Vincent, you keep them to 15, 20 snaps a game, and they can be strong contributors. And then you have Togi and Garrett, who are they're, – they're also shaping up to be some of those big snap-eating guys. Like, a lot of times D-tackles end up being able to be on the field for a play or two, and then they got to hop off, and you got to rotate them through. And honestly, these guys have a little more stamina. I mean, Togi, I was running around out there like, like – like, he looked like a, like, a, like, like, like a hurdler or a sprinter, except he's 300 pounds. He's the most terrifying guy on the field to see chasing you. Uh, so – 
I, I think D tackle, you know, we can talk about concerns. I mean, people were giving me heck over the weekend in the bucket about nitpicking everything. Well, yeah, I'm going to, because whenever we see the opportunity to improve, you have to, that doesn't mean you don't think the team is excellent or that you're happy they won, but there are certain things. Sometimes you go, wow, we have to improve on that. Right. The D tackles. I, I'm not going to remotely say they get, they get an A plus right now. There are two position groups that get A pluses through the season so far for me from Ohio state. One is D tackle. And the other one is quarterback, AKA Justin Fields. So yeah, the D tackles have been easily the strength of the defense and that's not no pun intended there. Last thing, Wisconsin, Purdue canceled. That news came down yesterday. Unfortunate news there. Not, I guess that surprising. I was hoping that Wisconsin would be able to play this week and not have to miss two games, but now they're going to miss at least two games. Hopefully the following week, I believe they play Michigan the following week. Hopefully they'll be able to play that game. But uh, obviously bad news yesterday. You hate seeing this stuff, man, with Wisconsin and Purdue canceled. So here's the real question I have is how are they going to handle this when it comes to the Big Ten standings? Because Purdue is a surprising 2-0 and now, right? And unlike Nebraska, that most people really didn't anticipate them being a contender in the Big Ten West, Purdue at 2-0 and with a win over Iowa makes them a flat-out contender. Uh, so what happens if we get to the end of the year and Purdue is sitting there with one more win than Wisconsin, right? Maybe one more loss because they played more games. Um, we're not sure, right? Well, how do you how do you do that tiebreaker, right? I mean, does it default to Purdue because it was Wisconsin's fault that they couldn't play the game? That has to be factored in at some point here. And you know, the other thing with Wisconsin is is that like Barry Alvarez clearly gets his way on everything in the Big Ten because. According to the numbers, Wisconsin could have played last week. Theoretically, they could have played this week. The program wasn't shut down. They did so out of an abundance of caution. Uh, so how does this affect the standings if Wisconsin's having the outbreak on their end? And by the way, their outbreak also seems to have cost Illinois its starting quarterback because Brandon Peters tested positive right before Illinois' game last weekend, which gave Purdue another win. So I think this is something we're going to have to talk about from a competitive standpoint at some point here. Um, in Wisconsin, I read somewhere they said that up, up to this point, they may have had as many as 75 to 80 infections in the program over the last three months. So what are they doing with their COVID protocols compared to the other schools that aren't having these issues? So I, I think that's going to, it's a shame it's not being played. You certainly hope they can play against Michigan. And if they can't play that game, I think you have to say they're not eligible to win the Big Ten West because that's almost half the schedule. Uh, so as good as Graham Mertz was, sorry, right? But I do think Barry Alvarez is working hard behind the scenes to get this 21-day thing shifted down to 10 so that they can hopefully get themselves in a spot where they have enough negative tests that they can play Michigan, preferably with their starting quarterback. Because I think Wisconsin figured as long as they could get away with it without consequences in the standings, they were going to not play a game until Mertz was healthy again. And that seems to be what we're tracking at right now. Great stuff, as always, from Matt Baxendale. You can catch his column every Sunday. It is The Bucket. Thank you to Bax, and thank you to all listeners out there. If you like the pod, give us a five-star review. It really helps, or subscribe, but that helps as well. Thanks a lot to the listeners. Thanks to Bax. Have a great day, Bucknutters.
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.